You are now tuned in to the Melanin Chronicles Brought to you by a girl Ray Christine Powered by the Ray Christine Experience Who catches vibe And don't forget Stay well All right, hello guys, and welcome back to the Melanin Chronicles. It is your host, Ray Christine, and the one and only B. Isaac. So today we are here, and we're going to talk about a very sensitive subject for the African American community, which is suicide. Um, suicide actually is the 16th leading cause of Black Americans of all ages, and the third leading cause for young black Americans. Um, I bet you didn't know that out of 1,992 suicides in the black community, only 311 are females. So we had chose this topic today because my dear friend B. Isaac, her brother actually committed suicide. So she is um, has become an advocate for suicide awareness. I know many of us have actually thought about committing suicide personally myself I've thought about it um have you thought about it um it's crossed my mind a couple times so like why didn't you do it um I wasn't I don't want to use the word having courage because it's honestly I don't know why I didn't do it you, you couldn't hurt yourself or, you know, you thought about your family think, members? What? I just think I didn't have a certain type of strength to do okay. it. Okay. So the reason I didn't commit suicide, well, first off, the reason I was thinking about suicide is because I was going through a really rough time in life. Um, I felt like I had no one to turn to. No one understood me. Um, and it was just like my life was going in a out-of-control spiral. Um, so I was depressed. I wanted to be by myself. I just didn't feel like I didn't have anything else to live for. The reason I didn't commit suicide is because I really was thinking about what would, what will people say? I committed suicide. What will be their thoughts? I didn't want to leave the, the world without making an impact on someone's life and, it was just like, I, this is not my time. Like, if I'm going to die, it's going right. to be off of some type of something else happened to me. Not me taking my own life. And I want to go to hell. Yeah. So, um, I know that you have an organization. Are you working on an organization? Um, tell us a little bit about the organization. Well, it is called H. U-A-L, and it stands for Have You Asked Lately. Now, the reason why I use that term is because I feel like a lot of times we don't ask, is everything okay, or how are you doing, or what's going on? Like, have you asked those questions lately to the people that you have in your life? Like, have you asked those questions? And I feel like with my brother's situation, towards the end, I stopped asking those questions. 
So that's why I popped in my head, in my head, like, have you, have you asked? So basically what I want to do with that um, organization is I want to talk to young people. I want to um, really, like, go around to different schools, especially Chicago public schools, especially, like, colleges, it's because I feel like that's where a lot of people are impacted and that's where a lot of people go through personal situations that they don't talk about because they don't know how to talk about it at those ages and then they that's where at those ages they feel like it's better to just say that they are they are okay versus talking about it I feel like everyone says that it's better to well like I feel like mostly the black community feels that they have to say that they're okay and they're not okay. It is okay not to be okay. We as yeah. black people don't accept that it is okay not to be okay. You put up this front, this facade, like you're okay, and it's really not right well, in your life. In my own personal situation where I've thought about it, um, it was when I was first, diagnosed with Crohn's disease and I was like in and out of hospitals like all the time to the point I had to go back home leave school blah 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 and I remember I was sitting in Rush Hospital and I had been there for like two and a half weeks and I had kept the curtains closed I had kept the lights off I didn't turn on the TV anything like that because I was so depressed that they couldn't find out what was wrong with me and stuff like that and um in that time frame of me being in pain and feeling all of this, I feel like with suicide, it really does creep on you when you're also acting depressed too. So it's not always like you're pretending to be okay, but when you're placing yourself in a situation where it's dark all the time and you're just not thinking happy thoughts, then it creeps up on you. That's really how I feel I really feel like it's a, a demon like I do it, feel like it's it a demon. pops in your ear so what do you feeling like it's a some type of demon do you feel as though being having a religious background or being involved in church will help I guess subdue the feelings of wanting to commit suicide yes and no only because I know that when you are getting closer to Christ um, that's when you, you're being attacked the most. So I don't really want to label it or put it in a religion, a right. religious point of view, because I know a lot of people think differently or whatever the case may right. be, but I really think it's mental. I agree that it's a mental thing. Um. Just because of my own situation and other people that I've talked to that have thought about committing suicide. Um, it was something that I have battled with for like months. Um, so to me, I was a functioning depressed person. I wasn't the normal depressed like, oh, sit in your bed, you're in all dark, blah, blah, blah. I went to work. I went to events. I was the one who made it seem like I was okay and I wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. um, I remember driving home from Kentucky. No, driving back to Kentucky from home. 
and just telling myself, just ram your car into a tree. Like just, just do it. Like you have free range to do whatever on the highway, you know, in the rural areas going to Kentucky. And I just was like, just do it. Like this is your chance. Just do it. And I just could not muster the strength to just veer off the road and do it. So I just felt like at that point it was like God was for me, you know, I believe in Christ. I'm an advocate. So for me, it was like, God was like, this is not your time. Chill out. And it was like, after I got back to my apartment, I just lay on the floor and cried, cried for hours. I'm actually getting emotional right now, but I cried for hours because I just didn't know where I was, who to turn to, who to talk to, you know? And I felt just so alone. Um, Life was rough. I had been going through things with, um, and it was just taking a toll on my life and taking a toll on my mindset. I was about to flunk out of out of grad school. Um, I feel like everyone turned their back on me, and um, it was just really rough for me. Yeah. Um, they say that a lot of suicide attempts or suicide thoughts come from unplanned pregnancies, come from you know. Um, especially within college, like, because it can be so stressful as far as, like, passing, graduating, and people that are counting on you to do the things that you're supposed to do. Yes, I feel like I have a lot of weight on my shoulders about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh. It's, yeah, it's definitely man-bodily, for sure. So... I know that for the African-American community that uh, it seems as though that black families stray away from the topic of suicide. They don't want to talk about it. Like if someone committed suicide in their family, they kind of, well, not nowadays, but before like our parents, they'll sweep it on the rug or not tell you what really happened or whatever. Mm -hmm. It seems like a touchy subject that people want to stray away from. Uh, Why did, do you have any thoughts about that? From my research, I feel, from my research and my experience, I feel like it happens that way in a black community because they feel like we don't commit suicide. Like, we stand up and deal with our issues and we deal with our problems no matter how bad it is. And that's just like an ongoing cycle, ongoing cycle that's going on. And a lot of the times, a lot of people aren't um, familiar with suicidal feelings and people and the way that people deal with things and the way that people feel I know for a fact like within the black community they really feel as though we do not commit suicide like even with my brother it was um, it's still unbelievable like even as of yesterday it's unbelievable to me because I was one of those people even with me having my own thoughts about suicide I was still one of those people that I've never experience anyone close to me and my family commit suicide we never talked about suicide we never had a conversation about it or I've never had like anyone in my family anyone at all so a lot of that's the reason why the black community don't acknowledge it because we're ashamed of it and we feel like if someone did commit suicide it's that they were weak Weak. 
And it's so crazy that you said it was weak, that they're weak because the day that it happened, I was so angry. Like, I'm still angry now with him, but I was so angry. I remember sitting in the car and I was so angry because those were my real feelings because that was my first reflex was to be angry instead of sad. I was so mad because I was just thinking like, how, like you, you really let this get the best of you in your situation versus me now thinking about it like, wow, this man felt so bad that he took himself out of the world. Like, damn, what made you feel like that? That's how I feel about it now. But initially, I was so mad because I was thinking like, it's nothing in this world that's bothering you that much that you just took yourself from us. So I thought about it selfishly. And another thing is mental health. That's another problem within the black community, especially when you being a teacher working with children. That's a big thing. Like they don't want to accept the fact that there are mental issues within the black community. They always think that kids are just bad or they're just not listening. Or they need to be on some type of medication. It's not they don't even a lot of the times they don't even deal with putting them on medication. They just think like, oh, they're gonna grow out of it, or, or they just act like this, or they just need a weapon. No, they need special attention. It's meant like the especially if you look at Chicago news. Every time I see something that's like, oh, this nineteen-year-old um, African American shot sixteen six people, blah blah blah, a kid. I always think like. It's something wrong with him. Like, it's seriously something wrong with his mental. Mm -hmm. I don't look at it like, oh, this is just a game banger and blah, blah, blah. No, it's something seriously wrong. I couldn't muster up the strength to just shoot someone just because. Just like with the the, um, boy, Tyshawn, how they gunned him down in the the alley. Mm -hmm. He was like, what, nine, seven? Mm -hmm. You shot him execution style. It's something wrong. Like, uh, that's a kid. It's seriously something wrong with you mentally. Mentally. And suicide, for to me, comes from mental health. Like, mentally. I think that, um, I think that as a black community, like, people try to stray away from going to counseling or going to get some type of help or, you know, going to a shrink, quote unquote. And the difference between other people are they, other races, they go to shrinks. They talk about their problems. They sit there. Well, every, all of us, like every one of my friends, I know that they bottle their emotions up to a certain extent. And it's like ridiculous um, that you just can't, release what you're feeling because like because we we are taught to be strong exactly we are taught to be strong that's one thing that i i try to deal with with my students like i don't try to say if a boy is crying stop crying you're a boy no you can cry like you can let it out and that's the problem a lot of times people say you're a boy why are you acting like that like why are you crying like but at the same time, you're putting in his mind that it's not okay to show his feelings. You're putting in his mind that it's not okay to be emotional. And that are that sets the tone for life. Like, it's not okay to be emotional. Stop crying. What are you crying for? It's nothing to cry for. If I'm crying, it's something to cry for. Right. And that's a problem. That's definitely a problem. I agree. 
Just like, you know, when your mama used to give you a whooping, why are you crying? I'm going to give you something else to grab for it. It's like, I'm crying because you're you, here. You just hit me. <laughs> exactly. But, um, oh, I do want to say how I, like when I was talking about when I was in hospital and I thoughts was coming to my mind, mm-hmm. they actually sent a priest in there to talk to me and I was like, no, I'm not talking to you. Blah, blah, blah. I just want to be by myself. Nurses literally used to come in and out of the room to try to turn my lights on and raise my blinds. And I used to say, if you touch the blinds, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm not, don't touch the blinds. I want to sit in darkness. My mom used to come up there and I just used to sit in darkness with her. And what turned this whole situation around outside of the biggest thing, the biggest thing that did turn the whole situation around, which was God, but um, just in the flesh, what turned the situation around was one day my brother called up there. It's my oldest brother. He's not, he's one of those people that's not like super like emotional with you. Like he's just, mm, he's just like a straightforward person. So he called up to the hospital and he was, he has been in remission with cancer for about like seven years at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. He called up there, and I guess he had heard, like, how I was acting and stuff like that. Well, how I was not acting. And um, he was like, you know how I got past um, everything. He was going through with cancer and how he had to come back home from Tuskegee University. He was just about to graduate. He had to come back home, stay home. All his hair fell out. He lost, like, 100 pounds. Like, he was tiny. Mm-hmm. And he stayed in the hospital for, like, months at a time for them to figure out exactly what it was and do all the tests. And he was like, I just kept my spirits up because within everything that I'm going through, if I was to let that depression take over me, I wouldn't still be here. And he was like, that's the one time in your life when you're going through a lot where you really have to fake it till you make it. You have to make, send your body those feelings and make it seem as though you are okay and you will be okay. If you send in your body those feelings where, oh, I'm just going to sit in the dark. I'm just going to be depressed. Oh, I'm just going to cry every day. Mm-hmm. Then that's how you're going to feel. That's how you're going to think. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was going through so much being in the hospital for months at a time. To It got to the point where he was just like, you know what? I don't even have cancer. Like, I'm good. I'm cured. And he... Yeah, he ended up going into remission. Like, he really said, you have to fake it till you make it. Like, you have to fake it as far as, like, emotion-wise. Just Mm -hmm. make it seem like you're okay. I've learned that. Like, at one point, they was coming in my room, like, six people was coming in my room a day to take my blood. And he was like, then I researched. I don't have to let you take my blood. So, that was just a thing. Like, let me start looking up other things to figure out, like, to keep my mind off of being depressed. You really have to fake it till you make it. And at that point, I was just like, look. Open the blinds. I'm like, man, I gotta get up out of here. I've been here for like three weeks. I weigh like sixty some pounds. I gotta get up out of here. I'm hungry. They won't give me no food. I'm like, you know what? Y'all can wash my hair. Cause they you wanted to wash what? my hair so bad. You know, go ahead and wash me. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? Go ahead and wash my wash hair. Wash a low dry. Braid my hair on <laughs> up. Yeah. It was dope. What? I think I ate the jailhouses. My mom came up there and did that because yeah, yeah, like, no, they couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm like, nah, I got a mama. She'll come up here, but yeah, talking to other people, not giving up on people. That's that's that is the key. That you, 
I'm not going to say everyone always has someone to talk to, but someone for the most part will listen. Someone for the most part will listen. That's my biggest thing though with this situation. Like, that like, too good? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> no, like being guilty. So, do you still? I know that we've had our personal talks about your brother. And I don't know if my talk sparked you to create your organization, but I feel like you've made a 360 from the initial first time that we've talked, we talked about this. Well, your brother situation. Well, I still feel guilty. I feel guilty even though he wrote and said, don't feel guilty. I still feel guilty because, like, I feel like that's natural. It's your own personal self. Like, it don't matter that he wrote on a piece of paper. Nobody, this is nobody's fault. You shouldn't feel guilty. I still feel guilty because I know within myself, with me trying to reach out to him after his ex girlfriend, I mean, his girlfriend passed away, and me reaching out to him because I saw the way he was acting, and I was like, okay, he needs someone. He needs somebody to talk to. He needs some attention, and I want to be there for you, and blah, blah, blah. You went through a lie. You lived in a house with this girl, and now she's no longer here. I just remember reaching out to him, reaching out to him. He'll reply, reaching out to him, no reply, no reply. But then I'll see him on Facebook expressing himself. Mm-hmm. And I just would never forget the day I was just like, I'm not saying anything else to him. I'm really not saying anything else to him because he's talking to Facebook and he won't talk to me. But now I see that was just a way for him to vent without talking to people. Like, people could write comments on it all day, but... He didn't have to look at those things. That was his way of talking without talking to people... Directly. Directly. And I really did. I I feel, I still feel bad. Because I, I remember, I was sitting down and I was like, I'm not talking to him no more. I'm not reaching out to him no more. And that's where my organization comes in. And have you asked? Within all of that, however you feel, have you still asked? Like, are you okay? Because sometimes it takes more than you saying, are you okay? You really have to be like, no, seriously. Are you okay? Like, uh, what's going on? Like, yeah. how you feeling? Like, sometimes you just have to rephrase things. So nothing in your mind said, go over there, or did you try to go over there? That was the thing. He wouldn't, I remember, even, I remember I invited him out for my birthday. And he was like, I'm going to come, I'm going to come. And he was like, where, where are you going to go? I'm like, wherever you at, that's where I'm going to go. You all the way in University Park? Is it a bar out there? I'll come all the way out there to University Park. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm like, I could just tell people who want to come out with me to go out there. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, he was just, he knew how serious I was. He just started responding because he knew I was going to come where he was at and I was going to tell other people to just come where he was at because I didn't even want his excuse to be, well, I don't want to drive out there. No, I want to see you, like. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen him in a, like so long prior to that, so I was like, wherever you at, that's where I'm going. And then he just started responding. So then, 
he put up a post on my birthday, and he was just like, "I remember he wished you happy birthday." I'm sorry, I couldn't make it. Just know I love you and all this, and I knew he was still going through a lot at that time, and he didn't he didn't want to be around people. He he never let nobody come to his house after the passing of his girlfriend. He never let nobody come near him. And if you did come there, you was there for a couple minutes. Even like his, my stepmom and his dad, our dad, they didn't see him at all. They didn't see him either. Like nobody saw him. Mm -hmm. You only saw him on Facebook. Mm -hmm. That's only how you saw him. We only lived through him, through his videos. So for you, like, what do you think are signs of depression? So since we talked about your brother, what was your brother's signs of him going into depression or him wanting to commit suicide? The questions that he asked on Facebook. One time he asked if he asked something like if do does it take a strong person or a weak person to commit suicide? I remember writing under that I said it take a very weak person to commit suicide. I was just in my feelings writing under that. That's my true feeling. That's just how I feel. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wrote under there. Then he have another status like, I have nobody to talk to. It used to piss me off because I used to think like, bro, like we all trying to talk to you. That's why I feel like, and I was so mad when this happened because everybody's on his page. Like people should have just tried to talk to him, his family. We tried to talk to him, like seriously tried to talk. Mm. It's going through your head. You in the days right now. So signs, what were the, what were other signs? Because I read that some signs are things that they say, um, the way they operate. Um, I mm. felt like one of his signs was when you told me that he, he had not touched anything. Yeah, that was a physical sign. He hadn't changed the house at all from when she died. She, literally everything was the same way. But another sign was... Um, when I remember talking to him at one point and I was asking him, like, just, you know, just pray about it. Like, give it a chance. Like, everything that you're doing is not working. Just try to pray about it. And he was like, no, nah, I'm cool. No, nah, I'm not going to pray about it. He, and he was like, if anything, I'm going to pray to her. I'm not praying to nobody else. I'm just going to pray to her. And I was just like, but I do feel like I do feel like he tried for as long as he could have possibly tried I do feel like that so love love actually can't cause a person to well this is the prime example but love can really cause a person to drive them to commit a suicide especially at a tragic type of death that your brother's girlfriend actually went through uh, with her car accident, I feel like that I was reading actually that a lot of African American men commit suicide when their significant other something happens to their significant or other or former significant other or ex significant other, you could say, um, like death or um, them marrying someone and it's not them, mm-hmm. um, them having a kid on them or things like that. I was reading that somewhere. A lot of it has to do with PTSD uh, from stuff that they had been through previously. Yeah. And he was in the Navy. 
that could have played a part as well. He could have already been possibly dealing with it and it was subsided because he had something else to focus on and that was taken away from him. So, you know, that could be a part as well. I think, I definitely think he felt blameful in the situation. Mm -hmm. Because, like, a lot of videos that I go back and look on, you can tell, like, it's just tearing him apart when he talks about it. And when he talk about it, he always say, if you love somebody, make sure you, you, you make it right before they leave out the door. Like, make sure, you know, you let them know that. And when she did pass away, they were not on the best of terms. So I always thought, like, he felt blamed, like he was, like, guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Because he always say, if they were on the best of terms, then she wouldn't have been where she was at. Because mm-hmm. they would have been doing something together for right. her birthday. So, mm, it's a lot to deal with. Definitely. I definitely think this is the hardest thing that I've ever dealt with. And I feel like I, um, I've realized that me and him are alike in a lot of ways than I knew beforehand, before all of this now. And people used to always tell me that, but, like, I really can feel it. Mm. So do you, like, talk to him? Well... I mean, I mean, I, I know you make posts like, you know, brother, blah, blah, blah. But do you like have a moment where, you know, you know how sometimes people are like, oh, I just was talking to my grandma and you know that their grandma passed. Like, you're like, uh, you know, I mean, I know but some people go through that, but they do it like, at the grave site. But I know a different person who like does it throughout the day. Like, grandma, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, I haven't. Um... I prayed and I asked God to send him to talk to me, but um, he's—I guess he's gonna come on his own time, which reminds me of myself. He was a very stubborn person like that. But the reason why I talk—I—I I, well, I guess I do say stuff out loud, like I'm talking to him, like because mm-hmm. it'll just come across in my mind, like you got a boo, like that's how he'll refer to his sisters, like mm-hmm. boo, like what's up, boo. But a lot of times, like, I feel so guilty. Like, I can't say much. I can't say much. Because I feel like now that he has passed away, this is my theory on people passing away. They know everything now. Because they're not here, so they can see everything, and they can hear everything, and they, can, they know how you're feeling. Like, it's just mm-hmm. some, some weird thing that I think about. So I always feel guilty because I know that he knows that at at one point, I was like, I'm not talking to him no more. You know, versus mm-hmm. like, if somebody's still walking this earth, they don't know that you really felt a certain type of way that you feel. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things like, God forbid, like a mother or father passing away or something, and then now they know that you was sneaking out the house at 16. Like one of those type of I things. Wish like, I, I wish I did that. I was scared for my like, life. Like, now you know. <laughs> so, I'll be more so nervous. But even now, so now that we're talking about him, I hope he do come and visit me today so he can tell me that he's not mad at me for being mad at him. 
because I was I was very mad. And oh, I was so mad. I don't think that he would be mad at you. I feel like you had a normal reaction. That is a lot of people's reaction. Even even prime example, even in relationships, they're stubborn. They don't want to talk to you, or you know, you trying to get your point across, and you just like get it. I won't talk no more. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is a normal reaction. Yeah, but that's I feel like that's what makes me feel even worse because even with, even in relationships, like how many times I start back being cool with somebody. Yeah. This is my own flesh and blood, and I shouldn't have never gave up mentally. Not even saying that I could have changed the situation. It's just the fact that I know that I said I wasn't saying anything else. I know that I said that I wasn't reaching out again, which goes back to continue to reach out. Because we can reach out to people that we're um, emotionally feeling, but we could write off family members. I feel like that's an issue in the African-American community as well. That you put more emphasis on your significant other, your friends. That might be an issue, period. Though, than your family. Especially well, I don't with know, women. I don't know anything else about any other I, I knew you was about to say that. But you're so obsessed with black people. I am. I am really obsessed with black people. You know I research it all the time. But I see that it's a trend. And I've, I'm, I'm still working on that. I've put men, this is going to sound bad, but I put my relationships before family. Or, you know, go to Thanksgiving with someone else's family. Yeah, because family. we become obsessed and we always think that your family's going to be there. So you don't really yes. need to consider not. They're going to be there. They're okay. They're... Yeah. Exactly. So it's just like, you know, I think it, it's a normal thing that as you grow, you understand more. Um, I, I just, I personally feel like that. Even with my my own family, I've had to really create a relationship with my sister that I have, have not always had. That's my roadie. I love her to death. I w- wouldn't try her for the world, but I, I have not and for the people that know me know me, they know that I have not always had that and I had to work for it. Mm-hmm. Just like dealing with people with suicide. You gotta work for it. You gotta work to get out of it. Yeah. And you definitely gotta work if you really care about a person. Push to Try to do your part. You know what I'm saying? Not you know I don't fault you. You know I I you know that my mindset is to just be the advocate for someone else that you wanted to be for your brother. So yeah. take your frustrations and put them into your organization. That goes for anyone. I will say the same thing to anybody that I've told you. When you feel that you have failed something or failed someone else, take whatever you feel and manifest it into something great. So, you know, I yeah. I know that suicide is a very touchy situation in any, I feel like in any person's life or anybody's friend, suicide is a very touchy situation. I know a lot of people that have actually dealt with friends that have committed suicide. You're the only person I know that have dealt with a, a actual family member or that I think I know that have actually dealt yeah, with a family it, member. Yeah, because it, no, you know Rakia. Oh, Rakia. Yeah, that but was see, the I didn't first, know that until that was like the first, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. That was the first taste of it for me, actually. That situation, which is also another reason why I'm gonna um, connect with her dad right. with this too, because you know she went through it, he went through it. That was his son. 
it's, it's definitely it's very mind boggling it's an emotionist because it's you never have answers you never know and it was so crazy because he even wrote his his reason why and still we were all just standing there like nah this ain't it mm-hmm. and I think everybody people feel guilty when you know someone and they're close to you like a brother or sister or whatever because you for me at least I always thought like wow you really were going through this to the point you you were so unhappy to the point you took your life away like you took yourself from this world mm-hmm. like that's bold I feel like this is a personal feeling. The way people take themselves out it shows how deep of a hurt that they were in. Yeah. Like, people slit their wrists. Yeah, I was just reading up on it, too. The different, the different, the different ways, ways. Yeah. And the percentages of the different ways to how it happened. Because people overdose on pills. They slit their wrists. They shoot themselves. They ran their car into uh, a um, something. You know what I'm saying? They jump mm-hmm. off a bridge. It, it, like, I feel like the shooting yourself type of thing is more so, let me do it quick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, I just want this to be over. Like, let me do it quick. And then the people who have been like, that feel like they've been pained for a while, they watch themselves bleed out. Yeah. Where they seclude themselves in water. Like, when people like, sit themselves in the tub and then they sit their wrist and they let themselves bleed out in the tub. Like, it's, it really like shows you what kind of pain they were going on in the inside, like how they wanted it to end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very deep. If you really like Google it and really research it, it's very deep. And I know that when I was an undergrad, I was obsessed. And I think that's another reason why I couldn't do it. I was obsessed with trying to figure it out because that was one of my projects. Right. Suicide in the African American community. That was one of my like dissertations I had to write. And I was obsessed with it. I was trying to figure it out. Like, oh, is this person this how does this happen? You know, so it's just like I if you look and really see how a person committed suicide, the hanging yourself, I just that now that's beyond me. I just I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. I know. It's very deep. It's definitely because I just feel like you can't come back from it. You can't. You like you really cannot come back from that. So it's not, and that's why it needs to be taken so seriously because it's not a joke. It's it's not for play. It's, it's not, not even for attention because you you don't. And I hate when receive, people say that you don't receive the attention. I hate when people say that they're seeking attention. No, they're yearning for help, some type of help. And they don't know what type of help they need. They're just yearning for the help. Wanting the help. You know, I just, I don't know. It's it's crazy. So how do you... So say, hypothetically, we're not going to speak this on anyone's life, but say we are all in this situation again. Right. What would you... What would you 
do differently? What would you um, say to another person who, so say someone, let's phrase it like this. Say someone, you have a hotline for your organization. Say someone calls in. What you going to tell them? They call in speaking about suicide. Yeah, that they are thinking, you know, are you going to, like if it's anonymous and they're saying, like, I'm having suicidal thoughts and I just want to end it right here. What are you going to tell them? First of all, I the fact that they called in so a lot. Is, is saying that they're crying. They need, they want help. They want the help. So they want you to be able to say something to them. To get them out the ledge. To, to get Quote them to close. stop. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have called in. Right. Um. So at that point, I feel like I would listen. People don't really need you to talk a lot of the times. They really just need you to listen. And when they're done talking, then you give them options. At that point, I will hope that I will have um, therapists right. immediately available where I can ch- ch- put them online because you need to talk to a, a therapist at that point. Like You need to talk to somebody that specializes within that. Mm-hmm. But the, the most important thing I would do is listen. Mm-hmm. Listen for sure. Because if they call in, they definitely need help. Need, want help. Want help. I agree. I remember. <laughs> it's so funny you said. That. I remember one time he had my brother put up a status, and he was like, um. It's nobody to talk to. And it's so crazy how people say that they're there for you, but it's nobody to talk to. And I was so mad that I had literally wrote like a whole paragraph under the status. And then I was writing stuff to people, other people under the status that was letting him think that that was okay to think. I feel like when somebody is having those suicidal thoughts, they block out the people that they know will help them in that situation. Like, mm-hmm. Cause you had a you have a mom, a dad, a brother, two sisters, a whole family full of people, friends, best friends. You have people you can talk to, but you know that those people are gonna be overbearing because the love is so real. They're mm-hmm. gonna be so overbearing to the point you're not gonna want to talk to them on the phone. Like I was telling you, his mom and dad hadn't even seen them, so you're avoiding you're avoiding them. Right. They just wanted somebody to listen to them and not talk because family members will be overbearing. That can be overbearing with regular stuff. So yeah. I can only imagine. And I remember his brother commented on the status like, um, no, the one about being is suicide weak mm-hmm. or strong. His brother commented on the status and was like, it's so effing weak. And now you weren't built like this. I could hear him screaming through, but that's his brother. And they grew up in the same household together. So he don't even want you to talk about it. And everybody that commented under that status, he was talking, his brother was talking to them like, no, don't encourage this. Yes. Because some people was like, it's not a weak thought, you know, because they, they just going from a different standpoint of it, but it's not a weak thought. He was just under everybody's reply. Like, don't, don't tell him that it is a weak thought. You're not strong. You wasn't built like this, blah, blah, blah. But that alone was a crowd for help. And that's another example how family members are overbearing. 
because I didn't see it till later and I would have been on the status saying the same exact thing. But that's me being overbearing because these are people that you love. So you can't even accept the thought. As soon as some think about it, as soon as somebody tell you, you automatically have something to say. No, don't do it. You don't know what you're talking about. You got so much to live for, blah, blah, blah. They're not hearing none of that because they already went through that in their, in their mind. Head. Mm-hmm. They don't need that. They just need somebody to listen. And that's it. Just need somebody to just listen. I agree. I, I definitely agree. I just, this is a, um, I don't know. It got me thinking about all my friends. <laughs> Um, I know we've had this conversation numerous of times, but it really has me thinking about friends and relationships and how can you just, how can you be an asset to someone who is going through something? Like, you never know when someone who really wants to commit suicide or is really thinking about it. Like, you know, we already talked about putting up a facade that you're okay. So I know that a lot of people do that. Me? One, I still do it. Um, Just because I don't like to see people, I don't like people to see me cry. Um, so, um, I just know for me personally, the way that I would want to help someone is to first tell them that I don't understand what they're going through because you can't really understand. I hate when people say that. Oh, I understand. No, you don't. You don't understand. I don't. It really makes me angry when someone tells me that they understand what I'm going through. Or I, I know what your thoughts are. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is the wrong thing to say. But instead of saying that, say, I would like to know more about what you're thinking. Yeah. Or I um, I am here just to listen to you. Not to give you my opinion, but to listen to what's going on in your mind or something like that. Not as far as I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that is a great step to take because when you come at someone calm and you're not rah, 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 you know, it's more so I'm going to be able to talk to you. That's with anyone, any situation. Think about any situation you've had. If you come at someone on charge on 10, they ain't want to talk to you. They're going to shut you down. But if you come to them nurturing, calm, collective, and cool, they're more than likely going to talk to you. Yeah. So I feel like people need to take that approach. I've never been in a situation. I can't say how I would act. And I know my personality. I would probably sit outside your house and stalk you. That's just my personality because I care about my friends and family so much. I would probably break into your home. Mm-hmm. I would be that friend. And I am that friend. So, you know, I will feel like that would that will be the best thing to do, which probably would not have been the best thing to do if I was in the situation. You know? I think for me and if um well, you're my friend and if any of my friends are listening to this, for me, which is another reason why I'm feeling like um me and him are so much alike is because I hold a lot of things in, too. Like, I hold probably 90, 93% of my actual feelings about things in. hmm And 
I let it out when it's already like a volcano has erupted. So I might as well explain why the volcano is erupting at this point. Right. Versus talking to people all the time. Right. And that was another thing. That was another thing he used to always tell our dad. He used to say, our dad would ask him, how are you? Like, a regular parent, how are you doing today? And he used to always say, don't ask me that. Just say, hey, don't ask me how I'm doing today because I do not want to tell you how I'm doing today because I'm not doing well. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. I just don't say it like that. I just say, I'm What's up right. with you? Yeah, well, what's up with you? I agree. I think this is like a learning lesson for us, probably even for the the listeners. I was going to say viewers, but they can't see us. The listeners. I want all of our listeners to like sit back and think about your friends and the people that have been going through stuff. Even you, you may have had an idea or a thought or something like that and See how you can be an advocate for your friend or even be there in a different way than you have been. You know, people are prone to repel when they feel like they're being not listened to or attacked or not heard. So it's like we as friends, as family members, boyfriends, girlfriends, um, even associates, classmates. Look for the signs. You know, if someone's in need, be that advocate for them. You want to say something else? <laughs> you over here smiling. No, because I just said I. it was a funny thought that I just came up with. But no, I completely agree. Um, be on the lookout for my organization. I just have to plug myself right now because <laughs> I feel like this thought, like this one of the things that I'm close to in my lifetime, like... I've been fake close to a lot of things that I've done. Not fake close. No, seriously. Like, I just, I want to get out there and I want to be a voice for people that don't have a voice, that feel like they don't have a voice for the voiceless. I was laughing because I was walking down the street downtown and in front of Macy's, they was having a protest. They was having a protest about animals being treated unfairly. Mm -hmm. And when I saw it, I automatically thought, I cannot stand when people treat animals better than humans. They were outside protesting about animal rights. Mm-hmm. Do you see what's going on in the world right now? Right. And we're talking about animal rights right now. Mm-hmm. Not a human I feel being. like people treat humans better than they treat other you cultures. Mean, you mean animals? Yeah, they treat animals, animals better, better than, than they treat other cultures. It's sickening. But the thing that they had was a voice for the voiceless. Because clearly the animals can't talk. So we don't know if they feel how they feel. But you can when they I laugh cry. because that's what I want to do. I want to have a voice for the voiceless. Because low key, the people that have those suicidal thoughts aren't talking. That's true. They feel like they don't have a voice. Yeah. If they wouldn't have already stole their little catchphrase, I would have kept it. But they got like a whole little thing. They got people outside with masks over their face. That's okay. See if it's copyrighted. I, it, it looked real official. See they if it's had copyrighted. TVs in there. It don't they matter. Had, it don't they matter. had TVs in there. You know I'm hands. good. You know I'm good for the trademark. See if it's copyrighted and trademarked. If not, go get it. Yeah, but definitely talk to the people around you. You never know who's having these thoughts. You never know who's 
went through these situations before. Like, even with me, I it's still days that I'm super emotional about it. And if you follow me on Snapchat, you probably see the days that I'm super emotional about it. I still wear, I, I carry the, his bracelet everywhere I go. Even right now, it's in my car. If I get out of my car, I move it to my bag. If I switch my bag, I move it to another bag. If I'm not wearing a purse, because sometimes I act like a little boy, I put it in my pocket. I can no longer put it on my wrist. Well, I was about to say that. Because you lost <laughs> it in Houston. I lost it, but randomly I found it. But you made a stop on the way. We were about to leave. You said, my brother's bracelet. And you know you went on a tangent. No, but the funny thing about it was when we was leaving Houston. You, we were leaving. Uh, what was it called? Social Junkie in Houston. Oh, and you went on a tangent. And the thing about it was, oh, was I felt was. like all of us felt where you were coming from because but, we all went running to go find but it. But this is the thing. I saw it on everybody's face, but I tried to keep cool because I'm like, <laughs> man, if I lost the bracelet, I knew I was gonna lose it eventually. It was tearing me apart and inside. I'm like, Girl, but I'm like, we you as can't a even act know. crazy. You can't act crazy because it's a bracelet, and you know you lose jewelry. So I'm like, if you lost it, you knew you was gonna lose it one day. But inside, I was thinking like, I gotta get out of here so I can get emotional. I gotta get out of here. The then, thing about you dealing with friends who know you. I walked and you dealing with me who really got know you. to the car. And I really think you placed that back in that car for me to find. Because I was really about to go crazy mentally. I know. We could see it all on your face. I just was really were, trying not to. My legs are short and you were swiftly walking. I had to do a light jog. I could barely breathe when I was standing there and I was like, no, nah, it's okay. We saw it in your face. It I had okay. texted my sister like, I lost the bracelet. She made it even worse. She was like, oh my God. Wow. So then I text her back like, I found the bracelet and I'm never wearing it on my wrist again. I just got to deal with the tattoo now. The tattoo won't leave my finger, so. Good. That's it for that bracelet. <laughs> be on the lookout for that too. So you just, just in case I lose that homecoming. Just be on the so we can all help prevent suicide. The Lifeline provides 24-7 Free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones, and the best practices for professionals. The number is 1-800-273-8255 and pound sign suicide prevention. So have you all asked lately? This is Ray Christine and B. Isaac and we signing out. <laughs>